0: Welcome to the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast, a Primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning.
1: Welcome, dear listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and along with myself and Elder David Wise, we invite you to visit our churches, Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road in Ackerman, Mississippi, or near Ackerman, Mississippi, and also Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 40283 Wolf Road in Caledonia, Mississippi. You can meet with us 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening for an abbreviated service and fellowship every Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. at the La Quinta Inn Conference Room in Starkville, Mississippi. We invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. We have for you today the uh, last installment in a series of messages regarding those things of God that can be known of men, and uh, we hope that you'll stay tuned with us. And right after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message. Thank you so much for staying tuned with us. Again, I'm Elder Joe Nettles. As you probably know if you've been listening, and we thank you if you have, we have been trying to cover a series of messages regarding those things of God, those things of our immortal and invisible God that can be known of men, whether they be born again or not born again. In other words, men having fallen in the fall in Adam, being marred and corrupted from the way they were created in Adam, which, who was created after the image of the thrice holy God. Those things even after the fall are retained in men. Now we've discussed the, uh, how God hath set the world in the heart of men or set eternity in the hearts of men, that they might know that this place is so overwhelming, so intricate, the logistics of it are just uh, inconceivable and that we can have no real control over it, but we know that there's a God who must. We went to Romans chapter one and we saw about the eternal power of God on display in men. These things can be known of men. He also spoke of the Godhead, the Godhead or the divine nature of God. These things can be known by even the unregenerate. We spoke for you last time how that all men have a conscience and we being created after the image of God, even after the fall, we still emulate him in our souls, and that our soul is emulative of the almighty God and that our soul is eternal, unending. We will continue in conscious awareness after this world is over with, either in heaven or in perdition. It is contemplative. It is rational. It is worshipful. And what we're dealing with now is that our souls are moral and that the conscience is that function of the soul dealing with that which is right and wrong, moral, immoral, or righteousness and sin. And all men have a conscience. Even though that conscience was greatly marred as the soul was marred in the fall of Adam, yet men still have it. Now we left off describing for you what is it that the conscience in a wicked person, that means someone who's not born again of the spirit of God, they do not have the principle of righteousness, they do not have Jesus seated in their hearts, to, to what does their conscience answer? I mean, what is it that their conscience, remember we told you that the conscience in man makes him aware of right and wrong, but the conscience in man does not make him care about right and wrong. What is it that moves on the conscience of wicked men, that moves them away from the wicked, maybe to that which is right? Uh, Well, we went to Titus chapter one. We'll read again verses 15 through 16. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience, notice that, is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. Reprobate, as we brought to your mind in the last message, refers to probate, or if you go to probate court, you probate a contract or a a will and testament, that is to verify the validity of it, to see that there is truth and substance behind it, that there's no false pretenses, that there's no uh, falsehoods and lies behind it, but that it is actually true. Well, the Uh, consciences of men are defiled because they are reprobate. That means behind their conscience, there is no element of the immortal truth of God. That is in the person of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, moving them away from the wrong toward the right. Again, they may choose what uh, is according to the law of God, but they will not do it out of a principle of a fear and love and reverential awe for God. They'll do it for self-serving or self-aggrandizing, purposes. But now let's talk about the conscience in the righteous. Now, in Romans chapter two, we see a reference to the uh, conscience in men. And in this respect, we're going to see that the apostle Paul in this great parenthetical statement in Romans chapter two, verses 13 through 15, is making reference specifically to the conscience in Gentiles. These are uh, the ones under consideration here are those who have not received the law of God. And in that day, that meant they had not been evangelized. They had not been taught, okay? But he's saying that even though there were some that did not have the law, they still would keep the law, do the law. And then he also makes allusion to the principle behind it. We read from Romans chapter 2, verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law Shall be justified. So, right off the bat, he's talking about people that are just before God, these doers of the law. Notice his focus was not on transgressors of the law, although we all are transgressors of the law. His focus here is on people who have a desire to do the law, to keep the law. For when the Gentiles, that means non Jewish people, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Now, I want you to notice this is something that is moving these men. It is their conscience, but what is actually the power behind that conscience? Notice he said the work of the law written in their Hearts; These Gentiles under consideration. Of course, he's not talking about all Gentiles because there are many reprobate Gentiles, but he's here specifically speaking of Gentiles who have manifested a principle of righteousness and love for God, even in their ignorance, uh, even in their abject ignorance. Uh, Yet they have a principle within them that compels them to write for the right cause. These people are just before God, these Gentiles under consideration. And notice he uses the same language here as he used over in 2 Corinthians chapter three when speaking of the uh, spirit writing the laws of God in the hearts of men. He was talking about the new birth. Well, he's using the exact same language here and I have no reason to believe that he's not referring to the same entity which is moving upon the conscience of men and is compelling them to the right way. Not just selfish uh, reasons or self aggrandizing reasons, no, but people doing right for the right reason. What was the whole duty of men that was told us in Ecclesiastes to uh, do the commandments of God, keep the commandments of God and fear God. That's a whole duty of man. Well, the wicked can keep a commandment but they'll never fear God. They'll never have a reverential awe, a love an adoration for God and want to serve him just for that reason. But here are some that are void of, uh, void of, should I say, theological instruction. These are Gentiles, these are heathens, but yet they're doing the right thing for the right purpose, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So here are some, even in ignorance, uh, have a principle moving upon their conscience and it is the right principle according to that passage of scripture. Now, we see later on in the book of Romans, we go to Romans chapter nine, verse one, and the apostle Paul makes allusion to uh, what it is that moves his conscience. In Romans chapter nine, verse one, he said, "'I say the truth in Christ, I lie not.'" So it's very important that we as servants of God tell the truth, that we try to rightly divide the word of truth, that we appreciate truth just because it is truth. Some people think truth is only truth if it serves them. But my friends, if the whole world be damned, truth is still truth. And here he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Here he says the Holy Ghost is what moves my conscience and you can feel good that I'm speaking these things in truth because behind your conscience, there is an impression of the Holy Ghost in you, the auditors as well. You see, Romans chapter eight, it says, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirits that we are the sons of God. See, that's the spirit of God making impression upon the conscience and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I We spoke earlier from Romans chapter two of those who have a movement upon their conscience in the right direction for the right reason. But the thing is, they were in ignorance. Friends, I love to know why it is that my conscience can be clear and clean, even though I still sin, even though I have sinned, even though I'll never be sin-free as long as I'm carrying around this mortal veil of flesh hung around my neck Yet, I know that Jesus has taken that sin dead upon himself. I know it because I've heard it preached and I felt the impression of the Holy Spirit and I know it in my conscience that Jesus is real and that he has loved me and he died for me and he took my sins upon him. Oh, happy day when you come to that realization. You know, when you hear the preaching of the gospel, it is something that uh, moves the spirit within you because why? The truth The Spirit is the truth, the Spirit of truth, according to John 14, and when the truth is in its presence, it moves in us, okay? So uh, let's go to a couple of places. We go to the writing of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll read uh, verses uh, 1 and 2. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Why do we preach the gospel? We preach the gospel so that men's consciences uh, can judge the rightness or the wrongness of it. Now, I'm gonna tell you what, to the wicked, they'll never love and appreciate the gospel. Okay, we know that from the word of God. That is a fact. First Corinthians 2.14 says, for the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he, they are spiritually discerned. Multiple places we could go to prove that point. The wicked will not love the gospel. They will not appreciate the gospel. They are tares, even if they dwell in the midst of wheat. You see, they are wolves wearing sheep's clothing. But here, my friends, we see that the apostle Paul says, I pronounce the truth, I manifest the truth, I make it plain before people and leave it to their consciences to judge whether it is right or wrong. Now, with the wicked, uh, everything about the gospel will be contrary to that which is behind moving their conscience. That means selfish aims and motives. Uh, Me, myself, and I. That will never move someone to love and appreciate the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if someone does hear it and they do believe it and they do appreciate it and they do see that it pertains to them, a low down, no good, worm ridden, bushwhacking sinner, then my friends, it shows a principle behind, moving behind their conscience that is wholly different from the wisdom, the earthly, sensual and devilish wisdom of this world. No, it is a wisdom from on high. It is the Holy Spirit of God. And so when someone believes the gospel, it's too late for them to get born again. They can only believe it because they have been born again. Yes, so Jesus Christ spoke unto Simon Bar-Jonah and said, blessed art thou Simon Bar-Jonah for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. How is it that Simon Bar-Jonah was able to say, yes, I believe that thou art the Christ, thou art the son of God, I believe it. The only reason he could believe it and confess it and adore that fact is because that principle of the spirit was moving upon his conscience. Again, to this point, we go to 2 Corinthians chapter five, again, the Apostle Paul, and we'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter five, and we will begin reading in verse nine, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, that means present from the body or absent from the body, the soul and spirit, whether it's uh, we are alive and walking on this earth or whether we have died and our soul and spirit goes to heaven, that we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You see, Christ is concerned with justice and judgment. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Notice he didn't say part good and part bad. He says in whole good or in whole bad. He's not speaking of your activities and your actions so much as he is speaking of the total imputation of the righteousness of Christ upon the sheep of God and the absence of that total imputation of righteousness unto the goats, those who will go to perdition. And he goes on speaking of this Christ who loves judgment and justice who compels us to right away from the wrong, to righteousness away from sin. And he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Oh, my friends, and the Lord does take righteousness very seriously. Here, he's not trying to scare someone out of hell into heaven. No, my friends, we don't have the power or the mandate to do that. But I do want to impress upon people that God is a God of right and justice. And he has commanded us to keep his word and to walk in his statutes. And a child of God who will not do that will feel the chastening, terrible, Terror of the Lord in their life while they live here. It will not deprive them of heaven's pure world, but if they're one of God's children, been born again the Spirit of God, they need to know the terror of the Lord. They need to know that it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God, who will judge His people. He said, "Therefore we persuade men, but are we are made manifest unto God." He said, you know, those things that we teach, we must answer to God for. He said, but I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Again, there should be something moving your conscience to convince you that this thing you're hearing is right and not just right, it is eternally and gloriously right. What was that gospel that Paul was preaching to them that he manifested unto them and made manifest even before God and he trusted would be made manifest to the consciences of those hearing him? Well, you can see it uh, summarized in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Are you trying to serve the Lord today thinking that, well, I'm still gonna be made responsible for some of my sins? There's a humongous number of worshipers in this world that believe that there's a place called purgatory where uh, Jesus couldn't have paid it all, I'm still left responsible for some of my sins. No, my friends, you need to have your conscience purged from dead works and serve the living God. But the only way you can do that is because it's the blood of Christ has been applied to your soul, my friends. You've been born again of the spirit of God. And when you hear someone, even such as a lowly, feeble uh, person with efforts like mine who preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's a moving inside of you, that impresses upon your conscience that yes, this is right. Yes, this is true. Yes, Jesus is yours. And my friends, when you come to realize he didn't pay for most of the sins of his elect, he paid for all of the sins of his elect, you won't have to trudge through this life anymore thinking that you have to carry your own weight. You won't be, uh, like, uh, Isaac of old, who had to carry that dead wood up the hill of that Mount Moriah. No, my friends, I'm telling you, it can be taken off of you in your conscience. Oh, he's done it for heaven. He secured his seed. But friends, while we live here, we need to live in the liberty of a clear, good conscience before God. And we do that, my friends, with an understanding of the efficacy and the lovely, wonderful blood of Jesus Christ shed perfectly for all of his elect. Well, my friends, now that you've heard that gospel and you've believed it and you trust that the blood of Christ is sufficient to uh, secure you for heaven through his own grace and his sovereign will, then what are you supposed to do? Well, uh, what is the answer your conscience is supposed to give? How? Are you, what is the outlet? What is the expression that you're supposed to do when you come to that belief? Well, we go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, where he's speaking of, of baptism. He said, The light figure where unto even baptism doth also now save us. You know, baptism has never saved anyone uh, to heaven. Baptism has never done that. Water baptism in a baptistry or a creek or a river or a swimming pool has never saved anyone to heaven. Baptism is a now salvation. Whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. And how does it save us? He said, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. How can you have a good conscience toward God unless you've already seen the merits and the loveliness of that blood of Jesus and believe that it was applied to you through the medium of the Holy Spirit? My friends, if you think you have to get baptized to make that more real, that's not so. It's as real as it ever will be before God. It was real unto God and covenant bond in the Lamb's book of life even before the world began. But my friends, it needs to be real to us. We need to walk with that confidence and we need to walk with that open public manifest attestation to everyone around that yes, I have gone into the waters of baptism, emulate and come back up, emulating the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I want you to know that my conscience has been made good through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not going through the waters to make it good. No, I'm going through the waters to answer, to give the answer that God has prescribed unto his people, to give that answer of a good conscience unto God. Oh, listening friends today, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that you're a sinner and that you must require a savior? Well, I'm here to tell you, you have a savior. You have a savior in Jesus Christ. And while you believe these things, you need to give that answer of a good conscience toward God. You should be baptized into the church I invite you come to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church or Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church or some Primitive Baptist Church in your area and hear the preaching of the free and unmitigated grace of Jesus Christ and believe it and revel and rejoice in it and be baptized into that respective church and join yourself to it and walk in that good conscience because my friends, you can injure that conscience if you tempt the Lord. If we don't do the things we're supposed to do, oh, you can't lose your eternal life because eternal life is eternal. But my friends, what you can do is injure your conscience, that moving and compunction on your conscience, that good assurance, that peace that you have, you can injure that. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, the apostle Paul writes, "'This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou mightest war a good warfare. Holding faith, that means hold on to the things that you faithfully believed and a good conscience. He said, if you've got a good conscience, if you believe the blood of Christ has purged your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, then you hang on to it, my friends. You give it an eternal, wonderful, a loving bear hug and you hold on to those eternal powers even here while you live in time. You hold faith, hold a good conscience, but notice this, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, a shipwreck can only be a shipwreck if that ship once sailed. If it's billows, if it's sails were filled with the breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God pushing it along through this life, but unfortunately, when we strike sails and we uh, cast away those things that are dear and precious to us and we stop holding faith and a good conscience, we can be made shipwrecked. We can run ashore upon the rocks of the evils of this world and can lose so much of the peace and the joy that we once had in Jesus Christ. He alluded to this in the first epistle to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What does it mean their conscience is seared from a hot iron? Does that means they don't know the difference between right and wrong anymore? No, their conscience is still there. They still have a concept of right and wrong. But I am gonna tell you what, my friends, what can be seared, what can be burned, the nerves, the sensible part of it, that's able to feel those good and pleasant things can only be made to feel pain. Or it can be dulled so that life loses its vigor and its fervor in Jesus. And even though you know right and wrong, even though you know sin and unrighteousness, that pleasant moving of the Holy Spirit can be diminished and taken away from you so that you uh, don't know you no longer feel that purging of a good conscience toward God. Oh, my friends, again, it can't cost you eternal life, but it can cost you so much peace and joy while you live here, walking around like the walking dead, once having been able to enjoy all of those wonderful and glorious truths and the peace of Jesus Christ that reigned in your heart. But because of foolishness, because you didn't hold that faith in a good conscience, you've been made shipwreck. Oh, friends, I warn you today, don't do that. Go, be baptized, serve the Lord, hold fast, love him, my friends, lay hold on everlasting life and the Lord will do you good all of these days and you'll always have that comfort and assurance that after death, you'll awaken in his presence in eternal felicity and joy, never to have to worry about conscience again. Again, until we're able to bring these holy and sacred subjects to you once again, I pray the Lord's blessings on you all.
0: If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a primitive Baptist church in your community. To find a primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15 just north of Ackerman, Mississippi we would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful
2: the of grace of me.